0: Alleluia Alleluia, Alleluia Alleluia I chose you from the world to go and bear fruit that will endure says the Lord Alleluia Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St Mark. Jesus appeared to the 11 and said to them, "Go out into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned." Now, these are the signs that will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak new languages. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Have a seat. So today is the Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul, but it's also the school mass we're celebrating closest to our patronage, uh, to St. Thomas Day, which this year falls on Sunday. I want to focus our attention on a kind of a moment in St. Thomas' life that I think will be especially helpful for us here. When I was a little boy, one of my favorite things was when my mom's oldest brother, my Uncle Eddie, would come to visit. Uncle Eddie was the one who had inherited the family farm, and so he lived in southern Iowa, and he was a great big Iowa farmer, bib overalls and all. And the overalls were important, because he wore them everywhere except church on Sunday. And so when he'd come into town to visit us, he'd be in his overalls, and he'd, you know, he'd sit like this with his arms up, and he'd, when he'd come into the house... He'd sit in the living room, and we had a couple chairs and a couch. But Uncle Eddie was a big man, a much bigger man than my dad or anybody else in the house. And so he always got the chair that was usually dad's chair because he was bigger. We kids loved this because Uncle Eddie kept a seemingly endless amount of change in his pockets. And so when he leaned back in that recliner, the change would all go down into the cushion and the moment he was out the door, we would be tearing up that cushion to get all the change we could. Guests, visitors to our home, perhaps even to our school, can bring a certain amount of excitement and we come to look forward to visits from particular guests every year. When St. Thomas was the age of some of our upper school students, he had a house guest. He wasn't living at home at the time, he was already in boarding school but there were a a small group of priests who were sort of passing through the neighborhood and so who stayed at the boarding school for a week or so. And they were different than any other priests St. Thomas had known. The Benedictines, the monks, ran the the boarding school that St. Thomas lived at. He knew them very well. And he had several uncles and first cousins and stuff that were ordinary priests, secular priests, like me and Father McGeary. And so he knew them very well. But these guys, they were different their clothes were different, but more important than that, they didn't live anywhere. They were functionally homeless. They just sort of bounced from place to place, preaching. They were part of a new order of preachers, the Dominicans. And something happened in the course of the conversations that young Thomas had with those house guests, and it changed him. He became convinced this was not only what he wanted to do with his life, but that it was what God wanted him to do with his life. And once he was convicted of this position, and the brothers were willing to take him, these new fathers were willing to take him on, nothing could change his mind. Nothing could set him back. Even his mom. See, this is the part of St. Thomas' story. We don't talk about it a lot. And frankly, it can be a little bit awkward for us here who really privilege the relationship between kids and their parents. So we rightly should. Spent all day yesterday at the hospital with my dad. I value my relationship with my parents too. And on a broader level, we who value relationships of authority, that it's important to be obedient to authorities. And yet St. Thomas had to defy his mother in order to pursue his vocation. I think sometimes when we talk about this especially especially when we're especially inclined to piety, we make it sound like, well, this is an exception to the general principle of obedience. Like we're all supposed to be obedient to our parents except in this one instance because he wanted to be a priest and you should just let your kid go away and be a priest. But that's not what's going on. That's not what Thomas tells us happened in his own life, and as far as we can read in from the outside, that's, that's, that's not what was really at play here. It wasn't that Thomas gets a special out because his mother happened to be materially wrong about what his vocation should be. And to be clear, if old Mama Blanche was standing here today, I am 100% certain she wouldn't tell us that she was opposed to her son's vocation for bad reasons, that she just didn't want him to be a priest or something. I think what she would say, what he says, she said, what his biographers tell us, right, is that she was worried about him. She was fine with him being a priest. She wanted him to be a priest even, but she had an idea of what her son as a priest was supposed to look like. He was from a rich family, so he needed to have a rich parish or a rich monastery he was in charge of. He was from a family that was important and influential, and so he needed to have a position in the church that reflected the importance of his family, Thomas didn't want anything to do with that at all. (laughs) He wanted to be this begging preacher who would spend his time studying and then sharing what he'd studied with other people. His mother was wrong not because she got the wrong answer to the question, what is your son's vocation? His mother was wrong because her disposition was off, because her orientation or her default toward her kid was bad her hopes for her child weren't what would make him most holy what would help him grow up to become a saint whatever that might look like but rather what would make him most powerful most important most successful i've got a secret to tell you it's not a very nice secret but it's true If you were to talk to most of the parents of the children at my school, I think they would tell you the reason they're sending their kids to Christ the King is to be successful. I would much rather have children come to a school because their parents want them to be saints. I think, I'm pretty sure that's the reason most of your folks have you here. And the reason that's important is because for us, who keep the memory of St. Paul's conversion, and who look To the feast of our patron saint, we need to want to be saints ourselves. We need to be open to being surprised by house guests or strangers or passers-by, and we need to be willing, once God has spoken and his church has affirmed what our vocation is, to simply trust that that's the case and let all of our other worries or anxieties or fears about the future to fall away. God has spoken. He will not revoke his word. St. Paul, of all people in the whole history of the church, certainly had reason after his conversion to think that maybe he'd made a mistake. Like getting thrown in prison again and again and again might be an indicator you weren't on the right career track. I am 100% certain St. Paul's mama was not proud of his work. And like Mama Blanche, she was wrong. Pray for your parents today, that they might be especially well disposed to the kind of holiness that God has in mind for you. And pray for yourselves, that when the house guests who come to reveal to you your vocation show up, you would be open and willing to be changed, so that together we might be converted like St. Paul every day of our lives and trust in the work that has already been begun in us, and that the God who has begun it will see it to completion.